I am trying to picture this scene, the women with the ointments and the burial spices in their hand, ready to go to anoint Jesus and the dead body of Jesus. It's a strange scene. They're straddling their assignment and their prohibition. So I replay this day and yesterday. I try to imagine what has happened that we got here. What has happened that they are not allowed to take care of their assignment, to anoint the body with spices and oil and balm? Is it uh, because it's a frantic Friday, like the Fridays how I grew up? (laughs) For many of us listening in this morning, Sabbath was your holy day, and so when I say frantic Friday, you know exactly what I mean. It's clean children and all the groceries and clean cars and polished shoes and the food is made for Sabbath and all of the things and hit the Sabbath music and everyone sits down. Has it been a frantic Friday for Jesus and his disciples? Is that what happened? I try to rewind the scene and imagine where we were yesterday. Joseph asks for the body. They have to make sure the body is really, truly dead. It takes more than a few hours. Usually crucified criminals hang for a while. Often they hang for days. Actually, crucified criminals can hang days at a time. Crucified criminals without family, no problem. Crucified criminals, when there's a festival in town, no one's in a rush to get the body off the cross. What about someone who dies of capital punishment? There's no honorable death for people like that. And still, here comes Joseph. A wealthy man comes and offers and asks for the body. They take Jesus down off of the cross. We should be careful. The storyteller has already said to us, Joseph was with the religious crowd. He's part of the council, but he did not agree with the decision yesterday. And still he comes for the body. He was part of the mob, but not the mob mentality, this Joseph. We shouldn't miss that detail. Mobs usually do carry the day, but mobs don't always have the same opinion. And here is Joseph who refused to bend the knee to Rome or to the church. Here's Joseph who saw what happened that day. There is no separation of church and state, and we should be very careful of that power. Joseph asks for the body. Bodies decompose quickly. So it's important to get the wrapping on, the linen on, and the ointments on, not to keep the body from decomposing, but to push off the smell, to cover up the smell a little longer. It is the disciples, the women disciples, we've known about since the beginning, almost of Luke's storytelling. In chapter eight, he tells us many women traveled along. These are likely the women who bought the food and secured the lodging and paid the bills. These are the women who now come to anoint the body. They've, they've gone home and grabbed their spices and they're on their way back. When they, get the, they, they look outside, it's only the Jewish people who are concerned that the sun is setting. And they pause, straddling the Sabbath and Jesus. I wonder what they've talked about now They have a whole 24 hours before they can complete their mission. I wonder what they talk about. Is this our hero? Is this what a hero does? Because we thought heroes grab for their superpower. We thought uh, heroes actually don't die. 
It's not remarkable to be raised from the dead. It would be remarkable to not die in the first place. This is our hero. I wonder if the neighbors can hear them, if the voices are raised, if they're litigating yesterday. I wonder if they're weeping and if there's mourning and ritual wailing already happened. I wonder if they stay up all night long holding their bottles of ointments and oils and spices eager to get back to Jesus. They rested on the Sabbath, Luke 23, 56. I imagine they are shut up inside of homes this day. I imagine they are discussing Herod and Pilate from yesterday. Herod and Pilate, the two who became friends over their enemy. Herod and Pilate, whose, their, their rally was really to get rid of their chronic pain. That's Jesus. Watch just a bit from last night as our storytellers showed us that scene. A deal was struck and a decision was made, and Pilate, the Roman governor, along with his new friend Herod, handed Jesus over to the religious leaders in the crowds so they could do with him as they wished. How do you afford to forge a friendship over hate? And this is friends friends, like let's go to lunch friends? Is this let's have an alliance friends? A friendship based on anxiety and fear is a dangerous friendship. That's what happened yesterday. Do they cancel Passover now? I wonder, are all of those who are in town for this big feast and festival, do they continue on? When they're gathered in their homes waiting for the sun and sundown and sunrise the next day, are they lamenting? Are they wondering? Are, are, are they lamenting a crucifixion or celebrating a coronation? Are they talking about a cross or a crown? Or do they even know to ask these questions yet? Jesus is just barely dead. And they pause for the Sabbath. The storyteller could say so much right now and scripture falls silent in almost all of our gospel stories. Luke simply says, and they pause, they rest for the Sabbath. And we get nothing more from our story until tomorrow morning. They rest. Even this particular Friday in God's overwhelming story, no one is allowed to work. Jesus is not properly prepared for death, and they have to walk away. I don't know how that sits with you, depending on your temperament and your personality. They have an unfinished task, and they have to walk away. There's still more to do, and they're supposed to walk away. And they rested on the Sabbath. The story's on pause. A pause is intentional. In our world today, we know about the pause. I'm not talking about the pause challenge online. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about other intentional kinds of pauses. Pauses, well, we do it when we say hello, and we pause, most of us. When we go, um, uh, in conversation, that's a way of pausing, and our mind is going to work, right? 
When you're swiping through Netflix tonight, your finger will pause, right? Or your clicker will pause. Netflix tells us those pauses are so important. About 10 10 to 30 seconds, maybe 10 to 20 selections. If we don't choose something, they know we're not watching anything tonight on Netflix. All kinds of disciplines and markets and businesses and specialists understand the pause. They understand the pause carries important information. The pause is as valuable as anything else. So with Netflix, they pay attention to our pauses. Pauses matter as much as anything else. Comedians know about pauses. Mark Twain, we're told, Mark Twain, by the time he took his name, the name Mark Twain, he walks into the theater one night, his mother tells the story that he stands in the center stage and he stares at his audience. Oh, did you laugh? That's how the comedic laugh was born. They think, we think maybe Mark Twain, he stood long enough until it rippled across the theater and he waited a little longer and a little longer. Comedians know about the pause. Something is happening in the pause. Comedians know and they work that really, really well. Artists know about the pause. We call it white space, but it's actually intentional. The white space in artwork or in graphic design gives us information about the rest of the content surrounding it. It's white spaces like a pause. The musician John Cage, have you heard of this John Cage 433? Yeah, I heard you, Dr. Rodriguez, right? I was gonna play it today, but it's, you just kinda have to sit there for four minutes and 33 seconds. Because it's nothing for four minutes and 33 seconds. Look it up later today. And all sorts of people embody that piece, Form It 433. The comment thread on those YouTube videos are a hoot. Four minutes, 33 seconds of nothing because this composer wanted us to hear our surrounding sounds, hear each other cough, hear each other exhale, hear ourselves wiggle in the seat. The pause means something, John Cage 433. Here, we're gonna listen to this, a couple of seconds of this soundtrack track. The pause is everything in this John Williams piece. And if we follow it for the entire soundtrack, that beat and that rhythm and that pause modeled after a Gregorian chant, we'll find it in all kinds of soundtracks in our film, feature films, right? You know, with Jaws in the 70s, I understand that that mechanical Jaws wasn't even functioning the first half of their film. While they're shooting, they create all that anxiety and angst and fear just with that soundtrack. Shark didn't even enter the story till halfway through the filming. The pause, the pause is full of meaning. Dr. Rodriguez, give us something that's a little more calming than the jaws. (laughs) 
bigger than Jaws. Can't have that Chopin piece without the pauses, can we? The pauses mean everything to the rest of the composition. Artists, musicians, all kinds of specialists help tell us that in the pause, important things are happening. Marketers know this with their researchers, by the way. When we walk into the front door of a retail shop, they've already decided how much space is our pause from outside the store to inside the store and what they should do with these few feet of floor space while they're coaxing us in. It's retail pause. Leadership gurus have a pause. It's an intentional retreating, sitting back, assessing the lay of the land, taking inventory, getting, gaining clarity before you step ahead again. It's a leadership pause. People who think about creating pauses for urban noise develop parks and green spaces, right? Pauses, they're in every part of our life. One of these pauses is created by a man who decides in the Netherlands to remove all the stoplights in one intersection to see what happens if the people have to pause on their own. They're afraid that it's gonna be terrible, people are gonna die, the fatalities are gonna go through the ceiling, and it turns out the people are quite capable of managing their pauses. And it's a pretty safe intersection. Something happens in the pause. That silence prepares us for something more. The pause. This healthcare corporation, um, that, this one happens to be based in Seattle, Providence Health in Spokane, I'm sorry. Uh, I wanna show you this video while I speak about this. They call it the pause when they've witnessed the loss of life. Anyone in the room can call the pause you can be the person cleaning, you can be a therapist, you could be a chaplain or a medical care provider. A pause simply means we stop for 30 seconds, all of us now, and we name what just happened. The person who died was someone's father, husband, uncle, brother. The person who just died means something to many people in the world, and all of us gathered here gave our best efforts. They call it the pause at the loss of life in their network, their healthcare system. Important information is contained in that pause. It allows us to be here, to really be here, to feel what's really here, to name what's really here, to narrate what's happening. The pause in Luke's gospel, that's precisely what happens when they call for the Sabbath day. The pastors gathered in here on Tuesday and we listened to about a half an hour of Luke's gospel read out loud and when we were done, I said to my colleagues, how long did it take you for the story to actually get your attention? And Vadim, Pastor Vadim spoke up quickly and he said, 13 minutes. 13 minutes till I felt like I could listen and hear and be present. Things are happening in the pause the pause on this particular Sabbath provides space then. And on every Sabbath, for those of us who gather regularly, on this day, the pause allows us to back up and think again about Herod and Pilate and what happened yesterday. Think again about what happens when power begins to corrupt us. Think what happens when we determine to build friendships on hate rather than love. The pause allows us to go over the foundational story one more time. The pause brings forth everything that's happened in Jesus' life, by the way. When storytellers skip from Jesus' crib to his cross, 
to his crown of glory. The defining content of Jesus' message, his instruction, his healing, his parables, his choice of companions, his preoccupation with the marginalized, that becomes indisposable, disposable. And nothing that troubles Herod is ever heard of again. The power and the pause on this Saturday night, on this silent Sabbath is to remind ourselves again, what troubled Herod? What troubled Pilate? Why is Jesus a source of chronic pain to them? Let's hear our story one more time in the pause on silent Sabbath. We wonder if there was someone in the chanting crowd yesterday. What about the woman bent over that Jesus healed on the Sabbath? Might she have been there healthy, healed, whole, able to give another kind of testimony? But her voice couldn't get out over the top of the chant. Might there have been dozens and hundreds of people Jesus brought to wholeness also tucked into the mob that day. The irony in that in Jesus' life, compassion was elevated above every Sabbath requirement, but in his death, his dead body will need to wait. It's silent Sabbath and Jesus needs to wait. Jesus lays in a tomb never used like he rode into town on a donkey never ridden. The man who started his life swaddled in a feeding trough is now swaddled in linen, ready for burial. But friends, the real truth I can say to us today is Jesus in a tomb is still Jesus. God in a tomb is still God. We cannot explain everything that happens on this day, what exactly God is doing this day. It will take the, the church people almost a thousand years to summarize what happened on the cross. Where was God and where was Jesus? I cannot tell you exactly what happens this day. I can tell you Jesus in a tomb is still Jesus. God in a tomb is still God. And the Jesus who taught to return curses with blessing is authentic and real. We watched it happen yesterday. So we can say about this day, God doesn't go around in darkness, doesn't go around darkness, God goes through it. Or with Barbara Brown Taylor, to get to Easter we have to go through a graveyard. And God is willing to do it. If you're a guest today, may I say one thing to you about those of us who take this Saturday Sabbath as sacred and part of the rhythm of our lives. I don't know what you've heard of us if you came into our church today because you saw an advertisement somewhere in social media or out in front of the church. Welcome. If all you know about us is we're a little odd because we gather on Saturday instead of Sunday like all the other churches in Riverside. If what you know about us is we eat weird things. Why, the neighborhood seems to know that. Look, even when our truck gets vandalized. <laughs> if you're a guest from our neighborhood, this is us. It's not wrong. But we can be confusing because we're not all vegan and some of us eat all the creatures. If you're a guest here today and all you know about us is we're a little bit unusual, can I say to you one thing very clearly today? The gospel is what we care about in this church. 
that Jesus in a tomb is still Jesus and God in a tomb is still God is what we care about. That this story is wrapped up in love, it's motivated by love, it's dripping with love, and at the conclusion of all things, love will calm all fear. We call it the gospel. It's all we have. It is Sabbath, and they rest. It turns out that while the women are away from the tomb resting, God is in the tomb working. What do you know? There are things God can do without you and me. Maybe the invitation today is that we pause. You know. What is it in your life? I'm pausing a hate today. I'm pausing anger towards a person today. I'm pausing my own self-doubt today. I'm pausing the sound of my own voice today. Enough of me already. I'm pausing my own self-sufficiency today. I'm pausing my questions about my community today. I put it all on pause because this is the day everyone rests and God is God. In 2012 or so, when we had this silent Sabbath and there was thunder and lightning and crashing in the sanctuary to rip the moment, to represent the moment of death for Jesus, when that was over and the lights came on, there was a woman with tears coming down her face and a little one went over to this person and said to her, it's okay, and began to dry the tears on this older one's face. And the little one said, we're okay, and God is too. We call that silent Sabbath. Amen.